You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Before we get to today's show, a reminder to join Locked On NFL Draft host Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak for recaps and analysis of the 2021 NFL Draft. Look ahead to next year's future first-round picks. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd, and today our recruiting rankings finally come to an end. I did this countdown as a way to create some content during a very, very slow time in the offseason, but the feedback for it has been awesome, and so... Um, I think it's just been a fun way to look back at some of the great Gonzaga players from the past. So today on the show, we are revealing the number one class of the Mark Few era. And just a reminder, we are back tomorrow, Thursday, instead of Friday this week. No Friday show. We will have a Thursday show tomorrow. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to put a bow on this whole thing. And we're going to talk about some of the recruits that Gonzaga just missed out on. I think Luke Ridenour obviously comes to mind for a lot of people, but of course, there's plenty of others over the last 20 years that they just missed out on, and so I'm going to throw some of those names out there tomorrow on the show. Also, today we are talking about the WCC. I'm going to give my updated power rankings to see if they line up with what the WCC Spring Coaches Poll uh, looks like that was released last week. Before we get to all that, a couple of follow-up pieces of news from Monday's episode. The NBA Draft Lottery took place Tuesday night. The Detroit Pistons got the number one pick, Houston Rockets at number two, Cleveland Cavaliers at number three, and the Toronto Raptors at number four. So one of those four teams in all likelihood will take Jalen Suggs in the top four. For Gonzaga fans, I think Houston would probably be the most interesting landing spot considering they're in a complete rebuild. So Jalen Suggs would get the keys to the car, but also because Kelly Olenek has a good chance of being on that roster. So you can get Kelly Olenek and Jalen Suggs to play together, which would be a lot of fun. To the U19 World Cup news, the let's talk about the USA roster first. The USA is now down to 17 finalists in their training camp. Chet Holmgren did make the cut. He is one of the final 17 players still uh, practicing for them. Hunter Salas did not make the cut. So Hunter Salas is out, will not be as uh, part of the U19 World Cup for the United States. The rosters will be announced later this week. Uh, before they leave for their tournament in Latvia. They're leaving on the 28th, so I imagine probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometime around there, um, they'll announce the final 12. Uh, Like I said, they're down to 17 players still in camp. I still think Chet Holmgren has a really good chance of making that roster. The United States' first game of the tournament is taking place July 3rd at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. So let's talk about something I didn't mention on Monday because I wasn't sure how everything was going to go down. Julian Strother is supposed to play for Puerto Rico in the FIBA U19 World Cup like he did two years ago. Uh, but there was a report that came out on Sunday night saying that he was no longer going to be with the team and that he's heading back to Gonzaga. Well, he did head back to Gonzaga, but there's still a chance that he heads back to play for Puerto Rico in the actual event. There's a lot of conflicting reports out there, uh, but the latest one sounds like Strother is still determining whether or not he wants to uh, play for Puerto Rico. Hopefully he does because it'd be a good way uh, for him to get more international experience, obviously, but a good chance for him to dominate because he is in, you know, two years older than he was 
uh, in that uh, tournament in 2019, and he still averaged 20 points a game. So a chance for him to be a superstar and a chance for us to get to look at him because we really haven't had the chance to do so uh, since he played in that tournament two years ago because he didn't play a whole lot uh, for Gonzaga last season. So hopefully he plays for Puerto Rico. And anything that I hear on that situation, of course, I'll let you know here on the podcast. Andrew Nemhard, he is still in training camp for Team Canada for their national team uh, in hopes of making the Olympics. Their training camp is now down to 19 players. So he's one of 19 players looking to get 12 spots, but they're also in all likelihood going to keep two or three alternates just in case there is, um, you know, COVID protocols or anything like that. So it sounds like Nick Nurse, who's the the Raptors coach and is coaching this uh, Canadian national team, he really likes Andrew Nemhard, especially uh, his ball screen abilities, which makes sense if anybody's ever watched him. Um, but he's noted that he is a little bit inexperienced and doesn't have the experience that a lot of the other players in camp does. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he can take that 11th or 12th roster spot or if he's going to end up being an alternate or if he doesn't make anything at all. And if I had to guess, I think he's going to be an alternate. Um, and then he kind of has to say whether or not he wants to accept that spot. Um, but hopefully he makes the team. We'll see what happens. That roster also is going to be announced later this week because their play-in tournament actually starts a week from yesterday, June 29th. And if they win that play-in tournament, which is being hosted in Canada, then they will make the Olympics that starts in July. Two other small pieces of news is Nolan Hickman and Caden Perry. Uh, Both are on campus now. Caden Perry posted a picture, actually his high school coach posted a picture of himself and Caden Perry on campus. So it's good to see that he is there. There's been no update on his back injury um, for the last month or so now, but it's nice to see that he's on campus and will have the resources available for his rehab in terms of that back injury. So it's nice to see that three of the four freshmen made it to campus. I believe Hunter Salas went straight from Nebraska to the U19 World Cup training camp. So I assume he will be heading to Gonzaga very shortly, which means all four freshmen uh, will be in Spokane at some point in time. Okay, coming up, we're talking about the WCC. There's been a little bit of action the last couple of weeks in terms of recruiting. So I'm going to give an updated summer power rankings of all 10 teams as we head into the typically very, very dead period of July. Before we get there, a minute to talk about Made In Cookware. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Made In. Made In is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. Made In produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven and their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have 28,000 five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin star restaurants around the world. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off their first order with promo code Locked On. This is the best discount anywhere available online for Made In products. So go to madeincookware.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. All right, let's get into some WCC power rankings here. I'm going to go through um, just uh, an overview real quick and how mine differs from the WCC coaches poll that came out. The coaches poll had BYU, St. Mary's, LMU, San Francisco, Santa Clara, which I agree with, and that is my one through six as well. 
but my 7 through 10 differs just slightly. I have San Diego 7, Pepperdine 8, Pacific 9, and Portland 10. So let's go through these one by one and just kind of give you guys an update on where everybody stands here as the uh, July month approaches. BYU, they had some question marks at the guard spot about a month ago. Those have been answered. Tejon Lucas comes in as a, as a transfer guard. Alex Barcelo, he is staying for another year of eligibility. Gavin Baxter, he's going to be back off of his knee injury, which is huge. Really athletic forward. Caleb Lohner and Gideon George were awesome at the end of last year. Spencer Johnson and Trevin Nell both shot the ball really well at the end of last season as well. And then Richard Harward, he's going to take on a much larger role inside now that Matt Harms is gone. They also added a 6'11 freshman from Tanzania who played at the London Basketball Academy named Atiki Ali Atiki, who looks to be the big man of the future. Right now, I would say their roster is good enough to make the NCAA tournament as a somewhere between a five and an eight seed. And they're, you know, it wouldn't be shocking if they uh, took a game from Gonzaga at BYU like they did a couple years ago, because I think it's going to be a very, very solid team. St. Mary's, I have it third. They were affected by COVID and they're affected by injuries a lot last year. People probably forget that they were eight and one before things kind of went haywire, including uh, holding Colorado State to 33 points in a basketball game. And they had a top 15 defense nationally. And it should probably stay around that same level this season uh, because they returned literally their entire team. They just need their offense to get back to a top 75 level instead of the 175 level that they were at last year. And they're probably gonna be right on the bubble. And I believe that they're going to bounce back and they're going to get there. Tommy Cousy is obviously back for his sixth year of eligibility. And they add Augustus Marcellonis. And they add Chris Howell, who's a top 30 player in California. Three-star guard, really physical player, really good defender, based on what I've seen. And then they get Alex Dukas back. And they get Lemon Bockler back from injury. Those were their two best perimeter shooters. And they missed pretty much all of last season once um, they both got hurt in December. So it's going to be huge to have them back. Logan Johnson became a reliable 15-point scorer by the end of last season. And then they're just going to get another year of development for Matthias Toss, Dan Fotu, Kyle Bowen. And then I personally am super high on Mitchell Saxon because I think he's going to be the next great big man in Moraga in probably a year or two. And I just trust Randy Bennett. So I've got St. Mary's as at the number three spot still, and I think they're a borderline bubble team right now. LMU, the hottest team. It feels like everybody's going to be picking them to, to crack the top three. It would not be surprise me if they did so. Their issue last season was reliable guard play, and they've addressed that, and then some. They're bringing in six different guards in this offseason. The biggest one is Cameron Shelton, who was the leading scorer in the Big Sky in Northern Arizona. Quan Marble's coming in from Wyoming. Gary Harris Jr. is coming in from Siena. Both of those guys are likely going to play backup roles. But they also bring in three freshmen that they can develop over time. Jalen Anderson, he was an all-freshman team guard last year. Uh, Quentin Jackson Jr. was a transfer last year, averaged 20 minutes a game before he got hurt in December, which was one of the reasons that Jalen Anderson had to play a little bit more. Demean Douglas, he was their second leading scorer before he got hurt in January, and he's a legitimate all-conference type player when he's healthy on the wing. He was an all-freshman player uh, two seasons ago. So needless to say, LMU now has a ton of really quality depth now on the perimeter, and we haven't even mentioned Eli Scott yet. He's back, and with all the guards on this roster, Eli Scott does not have to play point forward anymore, which is what he's been doing the last couple of years. They can use him in more natural ways to get him in good spots to score the ball. Alec Merkvalatze is a stretch big from Cal State Northridge that's coming in. He's going to join Kelly Leopipe and Ivan Olipiev to form what should be a pretty decent front court. So 
I, I think LMU's ceiling is probably the NCAA tournament. If they can get Demean Douglas back healthy and he's putting up, you know, 12 to 15 points a game, which is what he was doing last year before he got hurt. And then if they get what they hope for from Cameron Shelton, I think they're going to be really good. And if you're going to compare them to St. Mary's, I think St. Mary's has the higher floor but lower ceiling. But I think LMU has the lower floor but higher ceiling. Like, I think LMU's ceiling can be really, really high. Um, and I don't know if St. Mary's can necessarily get there because I don't think they're going to be that explosive offensively. I think LMU has a chance to be really explosive offensively. So we'll see what happens there. San Francisco, the other hot team this offseason, mainly because Jamari Bouye announced, uh, was it last week, two weeks ago, that he's coming back to school. So he's going to team with Khalil Shabazz, and they'll form one of the best backcourts in the conference. They also brought in another really good decision maker in Gabe Stefanini from Columbia. Julian Richwain, who was a transfer from Boston College last year, is probably due for a huge breakout season on the wing. He kind of came on a little bit at the end of last year. But they really, really struggled inside last season. So what did they do? They brought in three big guys. Yaw Masalski, seven-footer from San Diego. Patrick Tape, really experienced guy, played at Columbia for a few years and then transferred to Duke. And then they brought in Zane Meeks, who's a really big body from Nevada. And so those three guys are going to play alongside Yerkatam and Dimitri Uni. Uh, so they've got basically two explosive guards, some decent shooting, and a lot of quality depth. So I'm buying a big bounce-back season from the Dons, but I do think they are still behind the top four. And I think they're probably closer to Santa Clara than they are to LMU. Santa Clara does have Yasef Frankic back, and that's huge. They did get uh, Danilo Juricic as well uh, from Harvard, and he's probably going to fill in that void left by Willie Caruso, who is leaving to go play professionally. But the big one is P.J. Pipes, and I've mentioned him before. Uh, Santa Clara doesn't have or hasn't had the guard play recently, uh, but they're going to get P.J. Pipes, and that is going to be huge for them. So I I think Santa Clara is going to be a good team, not a great team, which is really what they've been the last few seasons under Herb Sendek, just kind of hovering right around 500 in league play, right around that you know, five or six spot in the WCC, and I see no reason for that changing next year. San Diego, my goodness, have they had a complete roster overhaul. They've got a bunch of different transfers coming in and a bunch of guys going out. They've got Marcellus Erlington coming in from St. John's, uh, Bryce Monroe from Sam Houston State, Jace Townsend from Denver, Terrell Brown from Pittsburgh, TJ Berger from Georgetown. Josh Parrish is back, and he's using his extra year of eligibility. And then they've got two promising freshmen coming in. The first one is 6'6", Moon Reith, who's a top five prospect in Canada. And the other one is Wayne McKinney, who's a top 200 guard in the country. And he's actually the second highest rated recruit in San Diego history, according to 24-7 Sports. So this roster next season is 100% different than last year. So I have absolutely no idea how all the pieces will fit. But I think there's a lot of really good athleticism and some decent pieces there. And there's something building in San Diego. Don't forget that they are the team that gets to play Gonzaga and BYU just once each next year. So that's good for at least a one-spot increase in the standings. Pepperdine. uh, I think they're a really interesting team next year because they're losing, obviously, Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards, and that is a lot. But they're bringing in Keith Fisher, and they're bringing in Bron Hartfield, who was a double-figure scorer at San Diego a couple years ago. The guy that I want you guys to watch for is Mike Mitchell. He's coming in from Archbitch Midi in San Jose, and I think he is going to be their superstar of the future. Um, They've got a five-person recruiting class, and so I think this is going to be a transition year for Pepperdine. I think they could be really good next year once this kind of young core gets a year under their belt. 
Um, so look for them to jump more in the 22-23 season as opposed to this 21-22 year. Pacific, boy oh boy, Damon Stoudemire does this every single year where he basically retools his entire roster and he did it again. They've got seven different transfers coming in this year and they lost their two of their top three scores to the transfer portal and Dennis Jenkins and Brock Finstoon. So your guess is as good as mine when it comes to how all these pieces are gonna fit together. Uh, it's gonna be those six or seven transfers like I mentioned alongside Pierre Crockroll and Jeremiah Bailey as their two main returners. Like I said, David Stoudemire does this every single year, it seems like, and puts out a fairly competitive team. Uh, so I kind of expect that to happen again. I think this is probably a little bit disrespectful to have them in the number nine spot. I just have no idea how long it's going to take for this many new pieces to gel together. And speaking of new pieces, the Portland Pilots, literally zero players returning from last year's roster. Shante Leggins is starting from complete scratch and building this thing however he wants. He's bringing in three different guys from Eastern Washington, which is where he last coached. He's got four different freshmen signed already, and then he's got several other transfers that he's recruited so far as well. So the joke going around is that the players may need some name tags on the first day of practice so everybody can get to know each other. But Shantae is a heck of a coach, a great recruiter who really knows the West Coast very, very well. So I think he's going to get Portland off the ground fairly soon. Not going to be this season, but I do think a successful first year would be three or four conference wins, which would be triple or quadruple the number of conference wins they've had the, uh, the last three or four years now. Um, so I think Portland is going to get out of the basement here probably in the next two to three years because I really trust Shantae Leggins. Okay, coming up to finish the show, it is time. The number one recruiting class of the Mark Few era. True Gonzaga legends. International flavor, NBA players, big shot makers, everything you could want from the best recruiting class in program history. But of course, before we get there, today's episode is being sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. I've said many times that salted caramel is my favorite flavor, but if you don't want to have that one, you can try a mixed box with multiple other flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 you'll get 15% off your next order. It's LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, friends, here we are. We have made it to the end of the countdown. 23 Mark Few recruiting classes ranked from worst to best. I've enjoyed researching all these a lot, uh, all these players' careers, finding out some old highlights of them. And so I hope you'd enjoyed listening and finding some old throwback players that you might have forgotten about. So here we go. Without further ado, the number one recruiting class of the Mark Few era is, of course, the class of 2016. Class of 2016 that includes Zach Collins, Rui Hachimura, Killian Tilly, Zach Norvell, Jordan Matthews, Jakob Larson. And I don't think it's really even close. This should be the unanimous number one recruiting class on every single person's list. It's got a five-star prospect who became the school's first one and done in Zach Collins. Two international players who blossomed into superstars with Rui Hachimura and Killian Tilly. A sharpshooter who went on to the NBA and had some just unbelievably clutch moments in the uh, NCAA tournament in Zach Norvell. Then you've got the guy who hit a top three shot in Gonzaga history and was arguably the biggest shot in Gonzaga history before Jalen Suggs half-court shot against UCLA. 
unbelievable crop of talent, four NBA guys, and then a guy who's got a lot of G League experience in Jordan Matthews. So instead of kind of doing what I've done with all of these guys in the past where I just kind of go through all their stats and career and all that kind of thing, with this group, I just want to go through moments because this group provided us with just an outrageous number of just moments. Let's start with Zach Collins. Collins' moment was the semifinal against South Carolina without question. 14 points, 13 rebounds, 6 blocks. His performance in that semifinal game was transcendent. Zach Collins came in, obviously, from Las Vegas. I believe he's the one of two one-and-dones in the one-and-done era to ever be drafted while averaging under 18 minutes a game. And that's what Zach Collins did, mainly because of his NCAA tournament run and his absolutely monster performance against South Carolina. Rui Hachimura, I think we all know his story. I don't have to go through it all, uh, but he was on a three-year plan from the moment he stepped foot on campus, and it came to fruition absolutely perfectly. He broke out as the sixth man, as a sophomore. Uh, He played absolutely fantastic, and then he just exploded as a junior. He was the best player on the court when Gonzaga beat Duke in Maui, and then uh, he also had the game-winning buzzer beater to beat Washington at home. In that 2019 season, he was the WCC Player of the Year. He was the Julius Irving Award winner, and he was a first-team consensus All-American. He led Gonzaga to the Elite Eight, averaged nearly 20 points a game. And I think one of the coolest moments that we got to see was actually Rui Hachimura come back the next year in 2020 and have a senior night. Uh, And the crowd got to kind of, you know, shower him with adulation. And Killian Tilly, one of his best friends, uh, on his senior night, got to you know give the mic to Rui, and Rui got to speak. Speaking of Killian Tilly, the other guy in this recruiting class, his career was obviously a roller coaster. I think he should have left for the NBA after an explosive sophomore year, but injuries uh, at the end of that 2018 season with his hip, it kind of cost him a chance to work out for teams. And in back-to-back seasons, he got hurt, and so he stayed in Spokane for four years. Um, and I think it's depressing definitely depressing but maybe perhaps fitting that his career ended with the coronavirus canceling the ncaa tournament and robbing him of a chance to end his career on his own terms one of his biggest moments was in that 2018 wcc tournament where he hit what was it 11 or 12 straight threes i just i know he is the only gonzaga player ever to go five for five from deep in a basketball game and he did it twice in a row on back-to-back nights Obviously, Killian Tilly's biggest, biggest moment as a Zag were his two game-icing free throws to send Gonzaga to the national championship as a dang freshman against South Carolina in the Final Four. Zach Norvell, boy, was he a shooter in every, every sense of the word. Shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot, definitely a Zach Norvell motto. Uh, He became known as the microwave because he can heat up at any given time. Uh, And at the end of the day, he was just clutch. And, you know, he showed his microwave abilities against Creighton in back-to-back years. We had 20-plus points in multiple second halves to lead Gonzaga over the Blue Jays. He hit the dagger against UNC Greensboro. And then again, two days later, against Ohio State in the 2018 tournament. And then he put the nail in the coffin against Florida State in 2019 by hitting a three on the wing, uh, the left wing, with about two and a half minutes left. So, um, I, I think one of the, the other what-ifs, I mentioned last week a what-if um, Josh Perkins doesn't get kicked in the face. And I think another what-if is what if Zach Norvell doesn't leave for the NBA after that 2019 season? What if he comes and plays for Gonzaga in 2020? What does that roster look like? What does Joel Yai's development do 
if Zach Norvell stays and jo Joel Yai doesn't get those minutes. I think that's a really, really interesting what if as well. Because Zach Norvell did not really make it in the NBA as he, th he uh, kind of hoped that he would, which is unfortunate. And then there's Jordan Matthews. He came over from California. He started for the national championship team in 2017. He averaged double figures, but of course, he is forever known as the man who hit the biggest jumper in school history, one that still gives fans goosebumps no matter how many times they watch it against West Virginia in the Sweet 16. Um, I saw an argument on Twitter a couple nights ago asking what is the bigger shot, at least in your own personal opinion, what's the bigger shot, what's the better shot? Was it Jordan Matthews 3 or was it Jalen Suggs shot against UCLA? And surprisingly, there are a lot of people that still say Jordan Matthews. And I think, I think that the, um, the national championship certainly made that sug shot mean a little bit less or at least took a little bit of luster off of it. Uh, so I understand why some people um, said Jordan Matthews. I think a lot of other people were actually just at the Jordan Matthews game, myself included, and not many people were at the Final Four just because of the limited attendance. So I think that plays a factor in some people's minds as well. But I think that's a really, really interesting question. But whatever you think about it, um, Jordan Matthews uh, was not just a guy who hit the biggest shot, but he was a, a massive, massive contributor on that 2017 national title team. Huge possession. The freshman Norvell. And so there you have it, all 23 Mark Few recruiting classes. I hope you guys have enjoyed all 23 of them. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to take a look at some of the recruits that Gonzaga just missed out on. Uh, so we're going to do that tomorrow. And tomorrow we're also going to look at a couple of other things as well. One of them is going to be this new Next Level initiative that Gonzaga announced on Tuesday afternoon. So I'll kind of uh, talk about that a little bit. But then I also want to talk about the guard rotation because I've been asked a couple times over the last two weeks now about uh, Rashir Bolton and Hunter Salas, Dom Harris, Nolan Hickman, and kind of some people think that they play a little too similarly and kind of who's the most likely to actually play significant minutes kind of from most to least. So I want to kind of parse that out a little bit tomorrow and give some thoughts there tomorrow on the show. Like I said, Thursday episode this week, but no Friday episode. So we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, the question is simple. How did the Clippers let the Suns do that? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas you have for me to talk about, feel free to do so at LockedOnZags at gmail.com. 
Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.